0: Penn State Review, Northwestern Preview, and our buddy Eric stops by to talk CFP. All that and more next on Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome back to Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. This is episode 49, and it is Christmas morning, baby. It is the time of year we look forward to every year. It is time to talk about the CFP. Davis, you know I have been waiting for this the entire year. And with us on the show today, we have a special guest, uh, Eric Buckeye Boggs from the OHIO podcast will be joining us. How are you doing, Eric?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. And looking forward to uh, opening up these uh, presents under the Christmas tree tonight.
0: Man, you're not kidding. I'm telling you, I think I've been talking to Davis about this for weeks now. I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's whether that I like to argue or whether or not I just love college yes. football so much. But either way.
2: Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
1: right,
2: well, well, first of all, glad to have you back on, Chad. I know we missed you last week, but um, you came back right in time, dude. Because, and there, it, it's funny you say, you know, Christmas morning and all this. There's that special feeling you get. And I guess in a weird way, it feels like the season doesn't even really fully... Kind of feel whole until you get this first CFP ranking, and then all of a sudden the wheels start turning. You start thinking possible. You know what is it going to take to finish here? Who's outside? You know a million things that you can kind of analyze with this. But um I'm definitely looking forward to uh, hashing this out with
0: you guys. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I, I I live for it. Like I said, as soon as the rankings came out tonight, I was already pouring over the stats, pouring over everything. Like, how can they do that? How can they say that? That's my favorite part of this thing. And more than anything, I like to do things that make you look wrong. Which isn't often,
2: but (laughs) isn't often. Uh, Anywho, uh, I will say this. There's at least two or three on here where I was like, wow, I was not expecting that. And I I don't know if you had happened to see, but we did a poll question. And uh, I was just curious to see what other people thought the top three would be. And I put every variation I could think of, counting teams, Ohio State, Georgia, and Tennessee. And believe it or not, of all the options, no one picked the actual option that ended up happening. <laughs>
1: uh, one person did, didn't they?
2: Uh-uh. No. One
1: percent? I saw one percent on it. Uh,
2: that might have been after. I looked at it immediately afterwards. So someone might have went in after the fact. Unless I looked at it wrong. I could have sworn there was no one.
1: Yeah, that's, that's. I mean. Well, I, I can tell you this. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, go I, ahead, Eric. I was just gonna say I I looked at it right before we started recording, and I was like, "Oh crap, no one chose this," so it it, it is a surprise. I'm 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 a little bit shocked, to be honest with you.
2: I am too. Uh, I'm shocked a little bit uh, now. Me and Chad, right before it posted out too, we we gave us what we thought it should be and what we thought they'd pick, and believe it or not, I actually put what I thought it should be. So uh, at my top three, this it would actually be what I would have picked. So we'll go ahead and roll with it. Um, So in the 25 to 21st spot, 25 is UCF, 24 is Texas, 23 is Oregon State, 22 is uh, North Carolina State, and 21 is Wake Forest. Um, Anything in there that kind of stands out to you? I know this is really kind of irrelevant when you get to these numbers because none of these teams really have a chance. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, was Ohio State the furthest one back that made the college football playoff? I think the initial one we were like 16 back in 2014.
0: Yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, if I remember correctly. And as far as the top twenty or five here, the last five in the thing, I would say there's not really much surprising. I was a little bit kind of still enamored with the fact that the committee is holding on to Texas a little bit. I think they see something there that maybe hasn't fully been, you know, developed yet. But I think that they think Texas is on the right track. And so they're they're hanging them in the top twenty five with three losses. The only three
1: loss team in the top twenty five, by the way. What do you think, Eric? Texas is there for one reason. They gave Alabama a game.
2: Yep, and that's and it.
1: CFP CFP loves Alabama, so
2: love they. Yeah, <laughs> there's no
1: there's no denying that. Um, there's there's some weird closed door relationship there. I'm just letting you all know that
2: they claim that they keep rotating in new people in the CFP committee, but judging by what I've seen with a few of these placements, that SEC bias is still there. I'm sorry,
1: and I, and I when you get to the top ten, you'll see it. Yes, yeah. you will. <laughs> All
2: right, so let's go ahead and do our 20 through 16. 20 is Syracuse. 19, Tulane. I think the only group of five team in. Um, 18, Oklahoma State. 17, North Carolina. And 16, Illinois. Chad, what do you think?
0: Um, really, nothing surprising too much here. Um, I kind of focus a little bit on Illinois just because the Big Ten East is so bad. West. I know they only have one loss, and they've, you know— They've won some games, but still, I just keep thinking, man. I, I just really don't think they're they're that good. I think Penn State, you know, who's ranked, we'll see here in a second, but who's who's ranked ahead of them is is a much better football team. And I'm honestly surprised that they that they have them
1: this high. Eric, what do you think? Uh, Tulane and UCF are the two non-power five teams. That's right,
2: UCF. Place. Yeah, they snuck in last minute by yeah, beating they Cincinnati will be last a, week. They
1: will be a Big Twelve school here soon. So. That will that'll be irrelevant. Yeah. Tulane kind of cool. That's that's a that's a little surprising um, little nod to them. But yeah, I'm with Chad on this one, man. Um, Illinois, like if you had Illinois even being in the top 25 in the initial CFP rankings, like, dude, you've won some serious cash this year because that team was nowhere near what they have become. That's a tough football team. I don't know if you guys have watched them. Like, I'm super stoked that they get to play the team up north the week before us because they are a physical team.
2: I definitely agree. I've actually watched a little bit of their games, and it's nothing to watch really on offense. I mean, they have a good running back. They definitely feed them a lot. But that defense is – I think it's legit. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that they've gone up against the best offenses in the country, but are they they still first in the country in points per game? Yeah. Maybe first also in yards per game? Like, you don't get there by accident by just, you know, I don't care what kind of competition you're going against. If you're keeping teams on average under nine points a game, that's stupid. You're obviously doing something
1: right. And they got their their one loss, believe it or not, to Indiana. I know that was so bad. And that was, that was stolen from them. That's they could possibly right now be the TCU of this thing, believe it or not. They're one game away from being TCU.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think they're probably, they're probably in an appropriate area. If you want me to honestly say, Um, because it's just, you know, that the big 10 West, I, I, I just have such a hard time giving anyone credit for playing through that side. Because I mean, what up until this past week, like you guys have constantly said, Nebraska was still had a chance to win the West. <laughs> I'm sorry. So the, the West is a hot mess, and it's it is a little bit difficult still because how good is Illinois really? And you're not probably going to find that out for another couple weeks till they play the team up north. Uh, now, where is that game at? Is that at Illinois? Or is that at-
1: it, it's in it's in an, uh, Ann Arbor in the uh, the the home of um, a, a lawsuit currently.
2: Oh, so it's, it's like a USC cage match
1: going T- on a tunnel there. gate, tunnel gate, Whoa. tunnel gate. <laughs> yeah.
2: Listen, I have a whole thing on that, but that's for another day. But, you know, I I'm right along with you and your sentiment where that is probably, it was probably intentionally set up, you know, the way, the way things happen there. I mean, who sends a single guy? Into the locker room or into the the tunnel there, and who even has that setup? You know, no one else has that setup where they share the same tunnel
0: where the the locker rooms are that close together. It's just yeah, bad. You, <laughs> yeah, and you and you would think, you know what? You would think that we would learn from previous mistakes. I mean, you guys remember when we did it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was not pretty. You know what I mean? I, I think that only takes one time, and it doesn't matter what school it happens at for you to realize. Okay, either that setup needs to change or security measures need to change. Something needs to change to keep the players safe. You know what I mean? You know, whether whoever was wrong or whoever was right at the same point in time, I mean, there has to be security that, that has to be something that can be prevented. You know what I mean?
2: Dude, it just felt like a a real Karen moment. It's almost like he set it up to happen. Then he's the one, you know, complaining and whining about it. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I I feel like he, I feel like there's intentional for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe he just didn't feel like he was in the headlines enough.
1: Well, he was in the head's lines of, of a helmet when he was in the line of. <laughs> that's
0: true, yeah. Fair enough. But
1: no, so, so that player, I've learned a little bit more. He does this every game because his dad is a truck driver from Texas apparently and literally has to leave like as soon as the game is over. I, I, I kind of find that hard to believe, but that's what Michigan is saying is he's done this every game because of that and he was literally not mocking them at all but i don't know i find that hard to believe
2: yeah i mean especially with after they pulled him out of the scrap where he went to and where the players were at how did he end up all the way over there did they grab him and pull him over into that area before they started recording like come on
1: i don't know but the the hallway that it happened in was the media hallway that's what's strange to it me. was it wasn't the main
2: it was off that yeah. little that little turn there the whole yeah. thing is weird it is so, yeah, I, I apologize to everyone listening that we had to waste a little <laughs> time on that. You know, we're we're talking CFP. So um, <clears throat> I will say this, you know, and, and it was interesting because that format's going to change as early as, I think, 2024. So we're still going to have our four-team uh, playoff at least for the next couple of years. But if that current uh, – the new format was current, Tulane could possibly be a playoff team. Isn't that crazy? Oh,
0: my gosh. That is crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. And
2: depending upon how they would be ranked, I mean, if they could find a way to get into the top six um, of the actual rankings, then they would have a home game. Now, it's most likely not going to happen, but, you know, uh, there was... I mean, Cincinnati would have had a home game under that format. Could you You imagine, like, Alabama going to play Cincinnati? Well, not that they would have, but someone going to play Cincinnati at a playoff?
1: (laughs) Nippert Stadium hosting a CFP game. Wow. Have
2: you ever been to that stadium? I have not, no. I actually... I, I at one point I did a college visit there and I got to see, and the stadium is underground. So when you're walking level, you're walking the height of the top of the stadium and mm-hmm. the stadium is all the, the seating all goes down and it's like, it's down below ground level. It's actually pretty neat. Nice. All right. Anywho, uh, let's go ahead and do our 15 through 11. And I think this is where we're going to start having a little more debate, uh, especially once we start getting to the top 10, but 15, we had Penn state 14, Utah, 13, Kansas State, 12, UCLA, and 11, Ole Miss. Eric, I'm going to start you off with this. you see anything kind of in this section? Because this is really probably the, the area where I think there's more of a realistic chance there could be a sleeper in this area.
1: Mm, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I'll be honest. I think these five teams are probably... Honestly, where they should be, except for I can make an argument that all – well, at least four of them could be replaced team number 10. But I don't really have a problem with it.
0: Chad? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I'm kind of with Eric on this one. You know, when I look at this – and you know me, Davis. I'm super opinionated, so if I had a problem, I'd tell you right off the bat. But when I went through everybody's stats and I went through everybody's um, you know, records and who they played, all this stuff, it's kind of – it's kind of interchangeable for me. I mean, if you had them differently, I don't think I could find much to argue with you about. In order to, you know, try to prove you wrong, I really don't. I mean, I have no problem with the way they have these.
2: And yeah, I think this is probably the least debatable area because aside of what Eric mentioned that we're going to talk about at number ten, um, you know, I think it was fair for Ole Miss to drop outside the top ten with a bad loss. Not, I wouldn't call a bad loss, but it wasn't a good look to lose by twenty-five um you know UCLA having just that one loss but again that wasn't the prettiest looking loss either um Kansas State looking good with two losses Utah looking good with two losses like I'm okay with that entire area um now a handful of those teams are going to need some help but Ole Miss is sitting there still with their own fate in their hands and I know it's a little bit more of a long shot but if they can continue to win out games and they beat the uh, the matchup at the end any of this I can't even talk at the end of the season against Alabama then They're in the SEC championship game, if I'm not mistaken, correct? So they're literally one game possible out of you know being a realistic um, contender to make the CFP or to make the end of the playoff.
1: That depends on what happens this week uh, with Alabama-LSU. True. Uh, LSU's got the tiebreaker over them, but if Alabama beats LSU and then Mississippi-Ole Miss beats Alabama, then you are right.
2: Yeah, and I think I might have let in a little bit more to I guess what I was thinking, because I do I I remember that that tiebreak, but I just don't see that happening. Um, Again, I think it's another the reason why this was ranked is to help a certain team out. So, with no further ado, let's get to number ten. Number ten is LSU, and their best win was last week against was last week or two weeks ago. Whenever it was their most recent one? Yeah, two weeks ago. And, right, two weeks, two weeks ago because they were on buys, but um, they beat Ole Miss forty-five to twenty. Now they were trailing, and then they kind of had a really hot second half. But besides that, I mean, what was their best win? They didn't play another ranked team except for uh, Tennessee, and Tennessee blew them out.
0: Where where's the where's the where's the rationing for a top 2 loss team? Uh, it's in the three initials that precede their conference, uh, SEC. <laughs> Um, that's pretty much where it's at. Um, they lost an unranked Florida state team. I just, I gotta be honest. This is one of those, this is one of those things that I still think is kind of, uh, someone living on their clout a lot more than they're living on actually what they've done this year. LSU, I think should be back in the last grouping we were talking about. I I think it's debatable where they land in the top 15 here, but I a hundred percent do not believe that they should be cracking the top 10. Like you said, I think that that sets up the matchup next week versus Alabama, and if Alabama wins that game, and especially handily, I think we're going to see some some huge movement, especially with Tennessee playing Georgia this weekend as well.
2: Yeah, and they've already proven that by showing later on here that, you know, there's an unbeaten team behind Alabama, and this is only going to further help their justification for keeping them ahead. Eric, what do you think? Where are you at with this LSU team?
1: Well, with the team itself, I think they are actually improving, but you're right they haven't played anybody and the thing it's thing the thing about what i know is i know who their head coach is and i know he's going to lose a big game so i'm not worried about lsu somehow crashing the party here but i agree completely with you guys this is totally set up to to bolster alabama it's it's exactly what it is everybody can see it anybody who's who's watched the CFP over the years knows that this is what they're doing. By the way, did you do you guys know without looking what they're ranked in the AP?
2: Um, I know that they weren't even ranked two weeks ago because we did our own CFP way too early, and I actually moved them into like 25th, 24th spot because I know for two uh, two weeks ago they weren't even ranked. So I'm going to assume they were probably somewhere in the 20s. They're 15th. Wow, that's a that's a pretty big jump. But I mean, even they, still,
1: right? They and that's a three and that's a three-point ju- that's a three-spot jump on their bye week, by the way. They were right. 18th the week
2: before. Okay, that. so they moved 18th and then of course they move up by who knows, you know, three teams in front of them losing.
1: Well, one of them's Penn State, which is ridiculous, and then the other one was Oklahoma State who lost and then Wake Forest. So yeah. it's like it's mm-hmm. like okay, I, you know, but at the same time yeah, this is totally this 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 is totally for Bama, and if you can't see that, then you have SEC colored glasses, man.
2: This is one of those conversations. I wish to God I was a fly on that wall because I would love to have heard them justify, or at least someone try to, you know, argue. Or I'm just I'm just curious how they got to this point with that team.
1: Do you think them seeing Chip Kelly as their coach played into this at all? Like, you know, he's got a reputation of being, you know, somewhere around a top 10 coach, right? I mean, was that Notre Dame for a long time? You know, he's not really won anything, but at the same time, he, he did take Notre Dame to two CFPs. Right. So do you think that they just look at that and say, okay, there's some clout there with that head coach and... You know, yes, they've got history in the CFP. They won one a couple years ago. So
2: I do agree that, listen, we're still human beings and this is still super subjective the way this whole process goes. I mean, you I think you had said it best, dude. This is an invitational like Mm -hmm. there's no there's no one way to go about it. I mean, you could easily look at one team and be like, oh, well, they definitely went with just eye test there. Then you can look at another and be like, well, they definitely went with their resume there. And they're not consistent. They've never been consistent any year. And you even see teams that beat other teams but then are still behind them with very similar records. And so this whole head-to-head nonsense doesn't even really apply half the time. Literally at the end of the day, you know, they say we just want the best teams in there. Well, you know, I agree to an extent, but on Chad's behalf, you still have to earn your way too. Like You may be the best team. Like I feel like we were one of the best teams in 2015, but guess what? We lost by a last-second field goal or only lost the season, and guess who did not make the playoff that year? And guess what? We were one of the best four teams that year, in my opinion. We didn't play great most of the season, but with the talent we had on that team, you can't tell me we weren't a playoff team that year. So their justification changes year to year, but it's always clear to see that they're never consistent in any year either one week they might have or even within the same week one team's off this one team's off that so i digress but you know i think we're all in agreement uh, agreement that this lsu ranked 10th is that that that's maybe a little more than a stretch
1: <laughs> it's a yeah. lot. it's that that's done stretch to the limit man that's mm-hmm. there's no argument to stand on there literally if i'm penn state i'm pissed because LSU lost to an unranked Florida State team, and then they, you know, you know the other loss they had was to Tennessee. I guess that's what they're trying to judge it on. It's like, oh, you lost to our number one team. Yeah, what happens when that number one team gets beat this week against Georgia? Does that loss all of a sudden hurt you more? And then you lose to Alabama. And it's like, okay, now you're down to twenty three or twenty two. Exactly. Like, like it, so why'd you put them there to start with? You know, when I'm Penn State and I'm thinking I've lost to number 2 ohio state number oh sorry i'm i'm getting ahead no
2: of you're though. good well we can say A, <laughs> we can say ap poll yeah, well sure. good
0: job sure. eric you ruined the surprise yeah.
1: I'm just <laughs> <laughs> this is coming
2: out tomorrow ain't no one listening to this that doesn't already know anyway
1: i shook that box and it said go box so. <laughs>
2: so um yeah i don't want to spend any more time on that but you know that was definitely the first moment where my eyeballs were like what the hell you know but Anywho, so number nine, we have uh, a seven and one USC team, and I know Chad is not super high on them.
0: No, I'm not high on them, man. You know, they haven't beat anybody ranked this year. They lost to Utah. If I am another seven and one team, i.e. UCLA, if I'm Ole Miss back here, you know, and even if I'm Illinois and these guys, I have to wonder why USC is is in the top 10. And I think it kind of hits a little bit on what you guys were just talking about in that you know, I wonder if it's the coach. You know, he yep. has a rapport. He's won, um, and they think that you know, okay, uh, you know, a seven-one team coach by him should be in the top ten, and and that that maybe they can do something. But I just don't believe, if you're going by resume, that they belong in the top ten. I don't believe so. Eric, what do you think?
1: I agree. It's 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 his, it's history and coach clout is is where this is at.
2: But and I think, I think I will, he's uh, go ahead.
1: But I will also say. If you're USC or the next team we're about to uh, talk about, stick a fork in them. They have no shot because the two teams right behind you, LSU and Ole Miss at 10 and 11, based off of the schedule and who they play and what the CFP has already said we think about, this conference and their opponents will leapfrog those teams easily.
2: Right. And to preface all this, you know, we understand this is the first CFP, okay? And it's going to look miles different, you know? Um, But there's still some important things to gather from the information that we're finding here on these initial rankings, partly to kind of see where the committee is already seeing certain teams at. And some of these teams may not have as much of a backloaded part of their schedule as other ones. And, you know, they have a lot less opportunity to try to jump over these teams. So there's still some important information that we can pull from this stuff, but there's still some really big matchups that are going to shake this whole thing up
0: anyways.
1: Yeah, my take my me, take to
0: me before you go to me, though, it sets the tone for the year. You can tell a lot from this first set of rankings as far as who's behind who and what they value a little bit more. You can get kind of a read on it and you can get a read like like LSU at 10. That gives us a read on the SEC bias still being there. Things like that. It lets me know what I think the committee will do going forward. And also, if you're a team on the outside looking in, I mean, that kind of stuff matters. It's hard to come back, like we talked about, Ohio State being ranked so low the year that we came all the way back. But if you're below that or you're outside the window, you're not going to make it. And, I mean, I think this kind of lets you know that.
2: Yeah, and then that that year we had to have some teams come back at us. We had to rely upon the Big 12 not having a tiebreaker and had co-champions that year with TCU and, oh, God, what was the other team? Baylor. And the fact that we literally blew out a really good Wisconsin team, 59 nothing. I mean, we had to have a lot of things go in our favor, too. So, it wasn't like, you know, we. you're right. It's extremely hard to climb the ladder when you're outside the top 10, uh, unless you have an extremely backloaded season and you're just kind of not getting put upwards, mainly because you've not played anyone.
0: And people have to lose.
2: They do. I mean, yeah. It's good. That that'd be a good uh good poll question. Is you know how many teams do you think will still be unbeaten by the end of the season? I mean, will there be any unbeaten teams by the end of the season? I mean, there's still legitimately a chance for maybe a couple of them, but you know we're still looking at six of them. You know, two of them are getting ready to face this weekend, another two, and another few. I mean, anything can happen. Anything can happen.
0: Yep.
2: All right. So number eight, they have Oregon. After that horrible start to the beginning of the year, losing 49-3 to against Georgia, they have rattled off seven straight wins. And they've like, actually looked pretty impressive doing it. Uh, but however, I'm sorry, they're still being led by Bo Nicks, and I can't get over that fact. I don't know about you, but I just cannot get over that.
1: Do they get points because he's a former SEC quarterback?
2: You know... <laughs> Absolutely because they're either going with the coach name or Bonix or well, he played in the SEC, and look how tough it was and now he's going over there and just running rampant in the Pac12. It all and makes
1: their, sense now. And their one loss was the to Georgia in the Exactly. Georgia D- and and the that's Georgia,
2: a qu- that's a quality loss.
1: a quality loss in a neutral site. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: By 46, quality loss. Um I don't really have any issue with him being here. I will say this, I actually Oregon's one of the few teams that I have really sat down and watched quite a bit of. Um, and especially the UCLA game. And I will say, this is a gritty team, man. I think Oregon's a tough team. Um, they hit hard, they play hard. I I, I kinda like Oregon. Um, I, I don't really have an issue with them being eighth. Um, I think the position's pretty, you know, pretty well sought out there. I mean, like you said, eight, nine, and ten here, forget about ten, by the way. But eight and nine here, you know, interchangeable. I think they're right where they should be. I really do.
2: Well, let me ask you this because so that's the highest ranked Pac 12 team, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so if they run the table, and I know that's still a big if, but if they run the table, which I think is completely possible for them to do, are they getting in?
0: Depends on who else runs the table.
2: Well, I mean, you already know that Tennessee and Georgia are going to play. So one of them is going to take an L, and one of those are going to be left out of the uh, SEC championship game. Um, Ohio State and Michigan are going to play, and one of them are going to be left out of the Big, uh, Big Ten championship game. And you're going to be looking at maybe a one-loss Big Ten team and a one-loss SEC team that's not getting into their conference championship and then an Oregon team with one loss that wins their
1: conference championship. They need two things to happen. They need Georgia – well, maybe three. They need Georgia to go undefeated, okay, because that would be their one loss. They right. would need Clemson to lose – and they would need TCU to lose.
2: I think they definitely have a better chance with TCU losing. The problem is Clemson's not playing anyone else.
1: Clemson hasn't played anybody all year. But yeah, they're they sure and they're they playing
2: even less than what they've already played.
1: I would hey, here's one for you. I would rather us play Clemson than Oregon, straight up. No joke. Oh,
0: absolutely. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I told you. I think they're a gritty team. I really do. I mean, they I, I, like I said, I, they, they started off me.
1: rough. They scare me much more than Clemson does.
0: Yeah, we'll get to my feelings on Clemson when we get up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so number seven, like
2: we had mentioned, it is TCU. That is uh, the only undefeated team left in the Big 12, and they're coming off a 10-point win at West Virginia. Some say, hey, that's a gritty win on the road. Some say, hey, you beat West Virginia by 10. However, they are still undefeated at 8-0, so... Eric, I'm going to start with you. How are you feeling about TCU in the 7-hole?
1: If I'm TCU, I'm asking the question, what the heck do I have to do to get in the college football playoff? (laughs) They've been screwed a couple times. I mean, they have been, yes, which is why, mark it down, you heard it here first, TCU will be in the Big Ten. Mm, And I don't mind that move at all. Those rumors are real, and they are quiet, which means I think they're very real.
2: I, I kind of like that that's move, the, to be honest with that's you. That's
1: the Dallas market. Uh, you know, they've wanted to – this is their answer, I think, to um, Texas, you know, the whole Texas question about the Big Ten. I think, And I think TCU, if TCU gets left out of this thing and they're undefeated, I, I think they, they're like, screw this. And the Big Ten's like, come on in.
0: Dude, I yeah. couldn't agree more. They, I think they're too low. That's me. I know they have no defense. We know this. Um, but their offense, dude, is, is, it's pretty good. Ranked in the top five here. It's a
2: typical solid Big 12 team.
0: Yeah. My, <laughs> I mean, my, my question is to you is other than, okay, take away the SEC. Okay, take away the SEC in front of the name. If you look at the resume of TCU and Tennessee, take away the Alabama win. There's not much difference between the two teams. Because TCU really has not-
2: what? Has four ranked wins?
0: I think three. I think they got Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. Yeah. If I remember correctly.
2: Kansas State's looking like a really good win.
0: Right now it is. But I'll tell you, if you really look at the two, though, like I said, they're very similar teams. You know what I mean? Very Big 12-esque like Tennessee is. But, you know, if you really take away the fact that Tennessee's beat Alabama and how much clout that holds to the apparently the entire yeah. world, um, they're really similar. So, I, you know, TCU being this low, it's kind of a little bit, you know, it, we'll get to it when we get to number six because that's what I have something to say about.
2: Yeah, I'll leave you on this note. So with Eric saying, you know, the possibility of them coming to Big Ten, I feel like this is their effort as an easy transition to bring one purple-colored team in and slide the other purple-colored team out.
1: Oh, I wish. Oh, I wish so bad.
0: (laughs) That's purple on purple crime, Davis. Can't yeah, that'll, that'll <laughs> never
1: <laughs> happen, man. Never happen. No, they're
2: they're the smartest school that we have in our conference. I'm pretty sure. So oh, yeah,
1: by far, yeah. That's, yeah. So but that's also Chicago. That's Chicago's team. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you go back, I mean, little history lesson for you. You go back to the original Big Ten teams. The University of Chicago was actually in the Big Ten.
2: Really, I did not know that. Yes,
1: that and either. so. So yeah, so when Chicago disbanded their football team in like nineteen thirty something or twenty something, long time Mm -hmm. ago. Yeah. This uh, you know, Northwestern became the Chicago team. And so the Big Ten's always been headquartered in Chicago. Right. There's so there's no way Northwestern would leave. Yeah. Which is terrible. I mean, if in all honesty, Northwestern should just they should themselves leave and go to like the Ivy League, because that's what they are. They're an Ivy League school, basically.
2: Yeah, I agree. That would probably be best for them. All right, to number six, because I know there's some debate here. Number six, the highest-ranked one-loss team, the only team past, you know, in the top seven with a loss. Number six, Alabama. Uh, Chad, I'll let you go first.
0: I'm going to say it like this. Um, Taking taking my Alabama hat off for a minute, okay? Forgetting about the fact that they're Alabama, because that's what you're supposed to do when you come up with these rankings. Um, I will say, man, like, uh, do I think if I sit here and look at it, it, it depends on the way you look at the CFP rankings. If you look at it, like going down the list and saying, do I think this team could beat that team? Do I think this team could beat that team? Then I think you're in for a different lineup than you are. If you look at the resume, um, with everything else combined, when I look at Alabama, I look at, they have a pretty good offense. They have a pretty good defense they're seven and one, but they haven't beaten anybody. They beat number 20, Arkansas. They beat Mississippi State. That's it. They lost to Tennessee, and they almost lost to a and and they almost lost to Texas. And they play LSU this week, which I think sets up the entire season for them. Their season is going to be decided this Saturday. So I think that's a big thing. But for me, TCU should be in front of Alabama. At the end of the day, TCU has not lost. They're in a Power 5 conference. They have not lost, and they should be in front of Alabama. That is my thinking. When you lose, you have to be punished. And I don't think this is enough punishment. I really don't.
2: Yeah. Before I have you respond, Eric, I know that uh, when we did our initial one, you you dropped them after that loss all the way back to what? Maybe like ninth, eighth yes. or ninth, like that's barely, correct. barely in the you know, And I know you're a big resume guy yes, and you do it unbiasedly because you penalize Ohio State for it. And I have no fault with, with your take. You know, that's just more your personal take. You know me, and I think I believe Eric. You had mentioned this when you filled in last week too. That we're more of a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. I might be a little bit more eye test than I focus more on resume, but the, like we've mentioned before, there's the SEC bias. No one's betting against Nick Saban. Um, there's just there's too much clout there. The name is always going to get the benefit of the doubt, and as long as Nick Saban is there, so. You know, you you can never reasonably think, and, that, and that's another reason why you know Tennessee is going to be ranked as highly as they think because they, they, they work interchangeable. They're basically doing both themselves a favor to keep both the rankings high, if that makes sense. But if it was two good Big Ten teams, Big Ten teams playing, they're either going to massively penalize one or just say, hey, well that other oh, team wasn't really as good as we thought that you know that the whole narrative changes. So. Uh, Eric, what is your take on this Alabama uh, position?
1: I hate Bama, but (laughs) (laughs) I actually will say this. I I think if you just take the number in front of their name away for the first time in a long time, Alabama actually has to earn their way into the college football playoff, Mm. meaning they've got to win out, which – Sorry, Austin, P and Auburn, that's warm up games, but they have LSU and Ole Miss both on the road, mind you. And then they would have a, a, um, SEC championship game. They would have to win. Now you, I told, I think it was, I think we talked about this last time. I believe you ha you should have to win your conference to get invited to the CFP. So that's what they're going to have to do they actually are going to have to earn this thing and i'm here i'm here with popcorn in hand to watch what happens if they don't
2: yeah and i, I completely agree so we can get upset with where alabama is at and a lot of that is personal hatred towards the team um But like you mentioned, yes, they have no more room for error. I mean, they can win out impressively every game by thirty points, but if they lose in the SEC championship game, they're a two loss non conference winner.
1: They're done. And I'm
2: and I'm sorry you're not getting in. I don't care if you lose by one point to Georgia or Tennessee. You know, if you are not winning that matchup, they're out. So that is honestly, we really need to root hard for that to happen because the worst thing that can happen for us is for Alabama to win out.
1: And it's not just
2: because of that team. It's also because then you have a really strong argument, especially if Tennessee runs the table and loses that game. You have Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia all with one loss. And then how are you going to put Alabama ahead of Tennessee when they split a head-to-head? I mean, the conference champ, I guess you weigh that a little bit more, but, you know, that's disaster. We really need everyone listening. You know, we need Alabama to lose a game somewhere. I don't care where it's at. They just need to lose one because that right there is going to throw a wrench in any room for error in case Ohio State has a hiccup, in case anyone else has a hiccup to get into the college football playoff at the end of the year.
0: Let me ask you guys this. Do you think they will?
2: I do. I don't think Alabama is going to win out. I mean, do I think it may come in the SEC championship game? Yeah. I think they'll probably win out to that game, but – I think both Georgia and Tennessee are better teams. And I mean, I don't know, though. I mean, next thing you know, they could get healthy. They could get the ball rolling. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. I guess I'm more hopeful than I am confident that they'll lose a game.
0: <laughs> you went all the way to the extreme. You're like, yeah, they're going to lose. Then you walked yourself all the way back to, well, I'm uh, <laughs> dude, I'm on the ledge.
2: I'm on the ledge and I'm walking back. I was
0: like, oh, it's a little bit taller than I remember. It being. <laughs> what do you think, Eric?
1: So I I believe Satan's real and he's the head coach in Tuscaloosa and um, <laughs> coming off a uh, All Hallows Eve you never you never bet against uh, the evils of the night so um, ah I don't I, I th- this Alabama team is is flawed they are a one man show and if you can if you can get to that one man they they're not they're first off defensively they're not that good. And then second off, they're a one-man show offensively. So, yeah, I think they're going to lose, actually. I really do. I, I, it might not be until they play a Georgia in, a, in an SEC championship game, which I do think Georgia is going to be the SEC champion. And I also think Georgia is going to wax Tennessee this week.
2: That's very interesting. Um, I, I agree with everything that you said. I think Tennessee is still – I think the hype – is is real strong right now but they've not shown me enough over the entire span of the season to make me feel like now don't get me wrong i feel like Georgia's is getting unfairly portrayed as being a little bit better than they are because they're living off the coattails of what they did last year but they're still a solid team but they're, they're the not- most com-
1: they're the most complete team in the SEC. Dude.
2: By far, they are. They're, they're 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 actually a little bit better offensively than they were last year, and yes. they've taken a tiny, a, I'd say, a tiny step back defensively.
1: Yeah, they've taken a step. They've taken a solid step. That was a yeah. hell of a defensive team last
2: year. I mean, yeah, you're never going to have a defense like that again. But um, I definitely see that happening, and I guess we that's probably going to be our best bet. You know, we we need them to probably embarrass Tennessee to really help justify that. You know, you didn't even make your championship game. You know, you got beat massively. I mean, th- there's potential because they're playing at Georgia. I mean, there's a lot of people losing their minds. I mean, that line's, what, almost 10 points. And people are like, how is Tennessee not even favored in this game? You know, especially after they're going to be coming out, rank whatever. Listen, Vegas knows something you don't know. There's a reason why Vegas makes money and you don't.
0: Yeah, they know that Georgia has a defense. That's what yeah. they know.
2: And Tennessee has not played one. And back to what you said about Alabama. Well, look what they did to Alabama. And they keep spinning the nerve. What look what they did to that elite defense. ESPN. That elite defense. Dude, I've watched Alabama quite a few times this year. That does not look elite. That is nowhere near anywhere near one of the best defenses Alabama's ever had. So no. all right. I digress. So listen, let's I'm gonna go ahead and list five to one. Okay. And we're going to keep this more of an open form for the five to one Um, because I I feel like, you know, we, we keep wanting to reference these upper teams. So let's just go ahead and kind of release these last five. And I will at least say this when I call number five, I was definitely surprised by this one. But they have number five, the team up north, number four, Clemson, three, Georgia, two, Ohio State, and your number one in the initial CFP ranking is Tennessee Rocky Top. Chad, yeah, you did not see some of that coming, Uh, especially Uh, since, well, you you bashed Clemson quite a bit. And I want to get your first take on Clemson being ahead of the team up north, as bad as you hate, because this is what I've been waiting for this entire episode. As much as you hate the team up north and you don't even want them ranked. You hate Clemson and where they've been at, and you hate Dabo and Brent Venables as much as anyone. That's true. So I want to hear your take on who should be ahead of the
0: other one. To me, the team up north is a better football team. I haven't been sold on Clemson all year long. Um, I think they're kind of writing their name a little bit. Michigan has a better offense. They have a better defense, and they've played the part this year, and they beat the snot out of Penn State, by the way. But I'm saying they've played the part this year. They look the part. So here's the part where I wanted to talk to you about, because we always talk about I'm being a resume guy and you guys are more balanced. But here's where I come to the eye test. To me, Clemson and Michigan interchangeable as far as resume goes to me. OK, Clemson's got a couple of ranked wins, but they're not really aging well. Michigan has a has a win versus Penn State, which I think is a better football team than some people think they are. That's the better so, win. That's the yeah, better. win. So by when far. you come when you come down to that, then I go to the eye test. Here's where I put in the eye test, Clemson versus Michigan today and the neutral site. Who am I taking? I'm taking Michigan. sorry, I am. I would have Cle- I would have Clemson at number five, and I would have Michigan in at number four.
2: Eric, what's your take on that?
1: I agree. I Michigan beats Clemson by two scores.
2: Yeah, I say the spread's at least ten and a half.
1: I don't know what the spread would be, but that would be the final score. Yeah, um, I mean that's what I, here's I would the other say. thing. I don't. Uh, I'm looking at, at the, uh, I think Alabama beats Clemson. I think Michigan beats Clemson. I think TCU might beat Clemson. Like, like to me, that's a coin toss.
2: I think, yeah, did you say Oregon?
1: Uh, no, not TCU. yet. Oh, okay. TCU. He said not I, yet, but I'm getting there. I, yeah. yeah I think, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, hold on. I I I'm not done think, yet. I definitely think Oregon beats Clemson. I think USC beats Clemson. Uh, LSU, again, coin toss maybe. So well, I'm, I'm glad to hear somebody else is not quite as high on Clemson as everybody else is. No, like I've watched, I've probably watched Clemson outside of the team up north the most this year, not named Ohio state in all honesty, because I, I predicted they would lose three games this year. And so I was, I was betting against them a lot this year and right. every time it's like, oh, they barely won. Somehow they pulled it out in the fourth quarter and it's like, oh my gosh, this team is so lucky. And they're doing against this against like NC State,
2: Syracuse, State
1: Forest, Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, okay, come on, guys. Like, that's like Ohio State barely pulling it out against Illinois, Maryland, you know. Like, okay. Yeah, man. exactly. Uh, oh, come on. Really?
2: They've not looked the part. They've been the worst eye test of any team in, in the top 15, 10, 15. Oh, by here's, far.
1: The, here's the other thing, too. And I think this means something. They have the worst quarterback out of all these guys.
2: Yeah, and oh, he's yeah. not even guaranteed to finish the season at this point.
1: Exactly. So I am, I am with Chad 100%, even though I hate the team up north, and I think they're pompous, arrogant douchebags. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're better. <laughs> they they, de- they deserved yeah. that four spot much more than Clemson did in the fighting Dabo Sweeney's.
2: So I think that's a that's another case and scenario because Clemson among Ohio State among Alabama uh, are the most consistent teams that have made the playoff year in and year out and they are living off their name and their head coach and that's it's just a fact you cannot ignore that and until this thing moves to more teams or until there's a different format of picking these that's going to continue to be the case they're always going to get more of the benefit of the doubt because they've been there they've done that they've won it all a a couple times so right wrong or indifferent which it's definitely wrong but unfortunately that's just the nature of this committee uh, of the committees year in and year out i mean they they look big time you know players and then coaches and names, and you get an extra street cred just for that. So I finally found it interesting that um, they didn't go straight SEC chalk for the top three. They did put Ohio State in there at number two, but as I expected them to do, they put Tennessee at one. I do agree their resume looks better. Do I think they're the overall all-around better team? No but i do think they've earned that spot so chad uh actually eric i'm gonna let you start off with this one kind of give me your uh i guess your synopsis now there's that you could argue this any any number of ways i mean you could look at tennessee with the resume you could look at ohio state with the eye test and Georgia's kind of been a combination of both and definitely had a, a very solid win against a top 10 team a very dominant win at the beginning of the season um, yeah. that they can kind of hang their hat on but you know, every team has shown a little bit of some issues at some point in the season. You know, no one looks completely massively dominant, but I don't know. What What's your overall take on this top three?
1: I'm kind of surprised. I thought it would be flip-flopped. I thought it would be Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Tennessee 3. But I feel like this is the committee patting Tennessee on the head saying, boy, way to get back up here, but we really don't believe you're going to, you know, be one, but we're going to put you here to start out because it makes you feel good,
2: and Alabama. to help and to help give give Georgia a win against the number one team.
1: It, that that and to make Alabama feel better about losing.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's, it's, uh, like it's, I said,
2: it it goes hand in hand. You're helping Tennessee out. You're helping Alabama out.
1: Now I will say this: they have the best win. Obviously, we no one's no one's no one's arguing that, but. By best win, I don't necessarily mean against the best team. What I mean is that moment when they finally defeated the team that has beaten them, what was it, 14 or 15 straight years or something crazy mm-hmm. like that, and then you storm the field and you take your goalpost and you throw it in the Tennessee River, and it's now got its own location on G- on Google Maps, which I th- still think <laughs> is the greatest thing ever. That's um, awesome. That's cool. That deserves some props, man. Like, way to go, you know? But we're still talking about a team that literally could not get out of their way since Peyton Manning was there. And the, that dude's retired in, in the NFL Hall of Fame. Right. So this is fresh blood a little bit for the CFP. I just, if, if they end up, end up in the Final Four, I'm going to be shocked. Because I still have this, like, I got to see it to believe it moment with them. I'm still waiting for the shoe to drop. So that being said, I really feel like them being at the number one spot is the CFP throwing them a bone saying, way to go. Way to get at least in the conversation. We're going to put you here. Did they really earn it? I mean... I guess they have the best win. So I guess that means that they have the best resume up to this point. But I think the committee looks at Ohio State and Georgia at two and three as the best teams, the most complete teams when you look at it from both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, which is something that the committee has talked about in years past that means something to them is having a complete team on both sides of the ball.
2: Yeah, and if you listen to the show uh, tonight, or if you're listening to this the next day, the show Tuesday night, um, they def- when they finally had you know the committee chairman come on, you know he definitely did mention you know when talking about some of these top teams about being complete teams, and that was the deciding factor. And I think uh, I think it was a little bit misleading with Tennessee's game against uh, Kentucky. Thinking, oh well, look at Tennessee's defense. Look what they did to them. Like, come on, that's Kentucky's offense. Will Levis can sometimes, you know, throw up stinkers, and he had a stinker of a game. Um, but when they're going up uh, against a better offensive team, especially against Georgia with those tight ends, I don't see them being able to stop Georgia at all. I mean, they have one of the worst pass offenses in the uh, pass defenses in the country, and that's uh, kind of an Oklahoma-esque. Type of scenario I mean I feel like this could be the potential For another Dak Prescott Mississippi State coming out being ranked number one And completely just falling off The map I don't think they're going to fall off the map As much but I definitely feel like this is the The second time ever That the the very you know the number One team in the initial uh, CFP Ranking is not going to make the top four
1: Agreed by the way Kentucky's best offensive player is A Penn State castaway Let's he just, is. I mean, come on.
2: Yeah, he is, and my wife's in love with him, by the way.
1: Bad decision.
2: I know. Is that, <laughs> is, that the,
1: is that the second worst decision she's made?
2: <laughs> no, yeah, that's debatable. If you talk to Chad, that's debatable.
0: I was gonna say, talk to Chad. I've talked to her, so I'm speaking. You know what I mean? I'm speaking through her here. Yes, it is her worst mistake. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, no, let me Chad, give you my so yeah, let me give you Chad, my, yeah, my top your three Um, I think Tennessee being number one is a formality. Uh, when, when people regard Alabama as high as they do, I think that anybody that tops them, whether it was close, far or indifferent, um, and they're undefeated and they have the number one offense in the country, they're going to give them the number one spot. I I didn't think that was ever in question to me. Some people thought that Georgia was going to be number one. I never thought that. And you know that Davis, we've talked about it. I've had Tennessee at the top from the beginning and it's based on the fact that This week, they deserve it. But the best thing about the CFP is that it comes out every week. And this week, there's a lot of stuff going on. And none of this is going to be the same, probably, when we talk again. But to me, yes, I had Tennessee number one because they deserve it. Do I think they're the best team in the country? I do not. I think they're probably third of these top three as far as best football teams go. When you get down to Ohio State and Georgia, to me, and I know this is going to piss off half a Buckeye Nation, I had Georgia in front of us. For right now. And the only reason I had them in front of us for right now was because I feel like Oregon is a better win than we have. I feel like we're extremely comparable um, as far as, you know, strength of the football team. They are the two most complete teams in the country. I just feel like today on November 1st, I think Georgia's win over Oregon is a better win than we have right now. But that doesn't mean anything. And it's all going to change this week when Georgia plays Tennessee. So, you know what I mean? That's the way that I had it. But you know what I mean? Everybody has their own opinion. So
2: I, I can't argue with any, anything that you said. Uh, I think some interesting points here is that regardless of who wins that game, obviously if it's Tennessee, they're going to stay one. If it's Georgia, they're going to jump Ohio State. So Ohio State is going to be firmly planted at number two for the next. I mean, we're playing Northwestern, we're playing Indiana, we're playing Maryland. I know the Maryland on the road could be a little bit of a sneaky game, but realistically, I don't see us moving out of that number two hole anytime soon. You know? Um that's going to be firmly a plan. Now, I think the interesting thing to see here is because they also ranked Alabama so high, what do you think is going to happen if and when Tennessee loses this game? They're not going to drop them below Alabama because of that head-to-head, so that's very easily going to keep them in the five hole,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right outside the cusp, again, setting up the potential for multiple SEC teams to get in. Because where are you going to drop Tennessee if they lose this game? Even if they don't, even if they lose it badly, where are you going to put Tennessee after
0: Alabama? You can't,
2: right? According to their head-to-head.
0: Uh, you know, I dig- Michigan, Michigan State. I don't yeah,
2: know. I, I just I that I think that again they've set these up very strategically, almost right in front of your eyes. You know, saying, hey, hey, look, look here. Here, you know, Alabama's pretty solid, but they've set it up to where Tennessee could bomb this game and still have a window.
1: What? If, what if Georgia just banks Tennessee by like twenty some points?
2: They, I still, I still don't think that they're going to drop and blow Alabama because I they know. can rationalize that as the head to head. I think they could. I think that it's possible, but I just don't see them doing it.
1: I. Th- <laughs> I, what I see them doing is putting Tennessee six and Alabama five. See, I
0: agree because I'm telling you what they've done here by putting Alabama six is teed them up. Mm-hmm. They've teed them up 100 percent. They're saying we think you are a top 14, but we can't put you there now. We can't. So what we're going to do is we're going to put you six and watch these other teams knock each other out so that you're set up perfectly at the end to make a run as a one loss SEC champion. That's what's going to happen. Right. They've set it up that way. So I can definitely see I can definitely see Alabama being ranked in front of Tennessee. I can. And they, honestly, they
1: absolutely Ch- Ch- uh, Davis they absolutely have to put Bama eventually ahead of Tennessee because what if Alabama runs the table and Tennessee doesn't? Tennessee's one loss is to Georgia and then Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC Championship right. game. They have to find a way to put the SEC champion in the CFP. Mean they would they would they'll they'll set it up that way. So I think right. And the the worst thing that could happen to the CFP is if Georgia wins by like a field goal, because then you have a scenario where it's like, okay, that means Georgia's one, and then Ohio State's two, and then they have to decide: did Tennessee's three point loss on the road was that good enough to keep them in the top four? Or do we have to now drop them below Clemson and Michigan? Right. That's see, that's what's that's why this week is so interesting to me because it's really gonna it's gonna tell you so much about what they really think.
2: Exactly. And I, I, I agree. I don't think it's as important whether or not w- if, and when Tennessee loses uh, to Georgia, where they put them either right in front or right behind Alabama, I think it's more important. The fact that they kept Alabama ahead of an unbeaten TCU team. And that would also help justify keeping another one loss SEC team ahead of an unbeaten TCU team. Now, whether or not TCU runs the table at this point, I mean, if they run the table, they've got to be in right no. You know, at, so you really think there's a chance that a TCU runs the table, and then so they're coming in as Big Twelve undefeated champ that they don't get in over two one loss SEC teams potentially that don't win their conference.
1: No, because then I think they I think Oregon jumps them because let's say that let's say Georgia is the SEC champions undefeated, Oregon's one loss is the Georgia.
2: So are, I, you, are you going to take a bold take that this is the first year that an undefeated team in the, in the Big Five does not make the college football playoff? Because there's a very possible chance TCU a, could win out.
1: Yeah, I, I, think there, I think there's a very real chance that could happen. What, that, le, okay, let me throw this at you. As a Ohio State fan, what if Michigan beats us by a last-second field goal? and Michigan goes, wins the Big Ten, they're in the CFP, and you've got an undefeated TCU there and a one-loss Ohio State team who was second up until the final game of the season, and you know the CFP's looking at those two rosters going, oh my gosh, Ohio State's definitely better than TCU.
2: I Listen, biasly, of course, yeah, but I guess if I didn't have any skin in the game... I, I would see a lot of problem with that.
1: Well, you know my feelings. I think you should win your conference to get in. Yeah. Period. That's my feelings. Because, I again, I, I hate how this thing's an invitational. But I'm telling you straight up right now, like, them putting an undefeated TCU 7th behind Alabama tells you everything you need to know about their feelings, about TCU, and the Big 12.
2: I agree. I definitely agree. And, I mean... Uh, that's probably one of the most competitive conferences this year, top to bottom.
1: Uh, top to bottom, it is, the, it is the most competitive conference.
2: Yeah, and then they're talking about you know how much SEC is still a gauntlet. Well, how much of it is really a gauntlet if you have three teams that only have one loss? I'm sorry, it's not. I mean, look, look at the Big Ten. The Big Ten's in shambles for the most part, and we're going to end up having two teams most likely facing each other unbeaten at the end of the year. So what happened? What is that saying about the SEC conference? If you have three teams that are just running through the entire conference and all they're doing is beating themselves up, I mean that's not saying a lot about the SEC conference, in my opinion. But they always find a way to narrate that and twist that around to make it seem like, oh, you know that all these wins mean so much, and you know SEC has so many more teams ranked in the big uh, or in the top twenty-five. I mean, it's just. It's tiresome, dude. I'm so I'm I'm so tired of having that same argument every single year. That's why, and I I had mentioned it I think when I came on. I don't I don't know. We had mentioned it at one point on another podcast, but I'm looking forward to the new format because your top six is not an invitational; it's earned.
1: Yeah, and, and I told you, like to me, less is better. But at this point, with what we're doing with with this, because because of our current situation where you have people sitting in a secret room deciding the fate of all these teams to try to narrow it down to four, and there's an obvious bias, I'm with you.
2: Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Chad, any last comments about that?
0: Yeah, I got to say this. In the last year of the CFP, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just the only one here. In the final year, I am rooting for complete mayhem. I want it to be like too many undefeated teams – one loss teams that have conference championships, but and teams that aren't even power five conferences that have beat ranked teams. I want the CFP to sweat in the last year. I've always wondered what would happen in some of these scenarios, and I think it'd be really fun to see in the last year some of them actually play out.
2: Right. I mean, we always wish for that every year, and most years, I mean, most years, you're not really having that much of an argument. I mean, and even if you do, it's just the, you know between four and five, like who's just barely left out. I mean, but most years you kind of already know who the top four is going to be. So I I, I can hope for that too. Um, but needless to say, obviously the initial rankings, there's a lot that's going to change. Obviously we have that Tennessee Georgia matchup, Ohio state team up North um, TCU still has, has some ways to go. Oregon still has ways to go. I mean, this could look way different. I mean, I, I think at this point we can probably solidify uh, you know, after seeing what schedules are kind of left, at least an SEC team, at least a Big Ten team, and that's probably a guarantee. After that, are we filling in two Big Ten teams? Is there a potential that this is the first year that Big Ten gets two teams in? Possibly, but things need to go, you know, uh, our way. We need the SEC to start beating themselves up a little bit more. Um, is this a year that the SEC actually somehow gets three teams in? something unheard of there's potential there Um, but it's still way too early to tell I mean we still have what four or five more weeks to go so I don't know but I I know this guys it's been super exciting talking about this with you guys Uh, I look forward to this uh, the to the Tuesdays every week when these start coming out Um, I don't know I I just I know there's gonna be some good matchups this weekend Uh, hopefully Chad uh hopefully you are coming into town this week. And I know we missed out on last weekend, but uh if we do that, for those of you the that, um, that follow us, um, we may be doing some Facebook live stuff. So keep an eye out for that. But I also want to give another thanks to uh Eric uh for not only helping fill in last week, but for popping on with us. I know it's kind of late. Um, but dude, CFP is one of our favorite things to talk about. And I know we didn't intend to spend as much time on it, but you know, once we kind of start getting into, you know, all of the the intricacies of, you know, who's ranked where and what possible matchups and, you know, what scenarios we can see. It's just we start going down this rabbit hole and (laughs) it's just it's a lot of fun. It's frustrating, but it's a lot of fun. So I just want to thank you again for coming on and kind of shooting the crap with us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. A lot of fun.
2: All right. For everybody
1: that doesn't
0: know, before you cut him off, for everybody that doesn't know, Eric, you know, tell them about your podcast. Tell them where they can find it.
1: Oh, yeah. Thank you. Cherry, just go to theohiopodcast.com. We're on all the major streaming services, all that jazz. is pretty easy to find us. Just go to the website and there you can go to all the different uh social media sites, everything else. And yeah, that's pretty much it.
2: All right, man. Well, again, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, I'm sure we'll be
0: talking soon. Sounds good, guys. All right, see you. Eric. Bye. Anyways, yeah, man, it's good to have Eric on, dude. I love when he comes on. Uh, great insight. Um, like And like he said, if you haven't had a chance to go check out his podcast, please do. Um, it's always one of my favorites to listen to, and I know Davis is the same, so that's always good. But let's talk about this Penn State game real quick, man. Davis, tell me about your feelings about this game, man. I mean, you know, it, it took it took all four quarters, didn't it?
2: Uh, yeah, and if you would have looked at the score at the end, especially without that garbage touchdown there at the end, we're like, okay they covered the spread like they should have. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, the final score 44 31 did not tell the tale of that. I mean, pretty much 90% of the action happened in the last eight minutes of the game. So I was expecting for our running game to come out and do a, a hell of a lot better than what happened. Um, I know we struggled against Iowa and I understand with that defense and uh, the way that uh, the Iowa defense plays that it was going to be tough going um, on the ground. But I was hoping we were going to recoup back because um, Penn State's strength in their defenses in their back is in the defensive backfield. So that's uh, I was expecting more for Stroud to have some more difficulty getting the ball down the field and figured that we'd be able to run all over them and then start going over top. That was not the case. Um, We struggled to uh, run the ball, and that was kind of an understatement. I mean, chop goes down early in the first half with an kind of undisclosed injury. And we're left with Trayvon Henderson, which I never thought I'd say made me nervous. And I think we've definitely, and I know you'll agree with me, that there's kind of been a changing of the guard over the last handful of weeks at the running back position. And Mayan Williams is definitely the go-to guy. So when he went down, um, I definitely got nervous, not only because we were thinner at that position, but because Trayvon Henderson just has not been himself this year. So we didn't even rush for a hundred yards in that game. And that was even after Trayvon Henderson got going there in the fourth quarter. So anywho, I mean, we get to the fourth quarter. We're up 16 to 14. You know, we have a crazy sequence there where um they're kicking a field goal. They miss it, but they had a false start, so they get to re-kick it. Then they miss it again. But we get flagged for having a player over the center. They decide to go for it. Next thing you know, they're down there by the goal line. Um We get a fumble recovery, uh, but we didn't get it, but they got it in the end zone. Then they called it back to the one-yard line. Then they ran a sneak they didn't get, so we're on fourth and goal from like the one-inch line. And you have Tommy Eichenberg had a crack to stop him behind the line, missed him. Next thing you know, we're trailing eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter at Penn State. And at that moment, that's when me and you were messaging each other saying, Listen, if we don't get 7 on this drive here, I think that I think it might be a done deal. Like we were really feeling like this was probably going to be an L. And then lo and behold, within what five plays, we move it down the field and score, boom. The next thing you know, we get a turnover, score again, boom. The next thing you know, we get another turnover, score again, boom. Next thing you know, we're up 20 after sitting here thinking we might lose this game. And JT Tuamaloa has the game of his life, has the game of any defensive end's life. I mean, what do he have? A couple sacks of a fumble, forced fumble, fumble recovery, two interceptions, a pass breakup that led to another interception. I mean, yeah. game of the century by this dude that had he not been on our team and played that way, I'm convinced that we may not have pulled that game out in College Station, so... No, I, Uh, dude, I wasn't
0: impressed at all. That's my
2: synopsis, dude. I mean, it was, it was nerve wracking, dude. I went through so many beverages that game that I lost count.
0: (laughs) Dude, I was not impressed. Um, You know, the biggest thing for me, though, was that this is like several weeks in a row where we've lost the battle in the trenches on offense. You know, I just feel like the running game is suffering big time because of it. And I also feel like I was really ticked off about, the play calling, the offensive play calling. Ryan Day kept trying these screen passes that weren't working. They were getting blown up. You know, he's a big proponent of taking what, you know, taking what the defense gives you, but he wasn't taking what they were giving us. We didn't take what they were giving us till the end of the game. And then we started blowing them up. And I mean, that's what should have happened. And I just keep, I go back to it, man. I've, I've always, I feel like Ryan Day, he's trying too hard to be balanced right now. He's trying to be too balanced right now. If the throw's there, man, let's throw the ball because obviously we've proven our offensive line when they get beat, we are not running the ball well. We are not getting, getting any kind of penetration out in the flats. We're getting blown up out in the flats. So let's throw the ball, man. Let's sing it around the yard. You know that's what he wants to do anyways. I was ticked about that. I was ticked about not going for two. And you already know what I'm talking about. Both times, actually. I was ticked because at that point in the game, what does one point give you? It gives you nothing. It gives you the same thing as if you get no points. If you miss the field goal, it's the same thing as if you get one point at that point. It does nothing for you. Two, point, two points at least makes the field goal to tie the game. Any other scenario, you're losing that game with a field goal. So why do you not go for two? I don't understand that call. I'll never understand that call. And to me, JTT won this game single-handedly by himself. I feel that way. I do. If it wasn't for him and the things that he caused and disruption he caused and all the plays that he caused— co- did we would have lost that game? I, I still feel that way. I, I feel like I wasn't happy with the way the offense was ran and I and the defense, like I said, they were so so. I you know, I, I was more happy with the defense than I was with the offense in this game, which is something I can't really say that often. But that's just kind of how I felt. And I think that dude do do you agree? We have a we have a serious problem on the offensive line and, and on the in the running game.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I I find it interesting. I felt the same way about the defense. I mean, I know that's kind of hard to say considering we gave up, you know, over 400 yards of offense. Um, We gave up way too many first downs. Um, The tackling uh, was not good at some points. We looked a little bit lost, a little bit out of position really for the first time all year on a handful of plays. But we were very opportunistic. I mean, we got four turnovers. And we definitely, I mean, we stopped them on at least one or two fourth downs um, in kind of key positions, but the the defense stepped up when they needed to. And even though it was a tough game, um, I definitely felt like we we could hang our hat on the defense. The offense, uh, so here's my take on the running game. Uh, I, I do agree that the offensive line has struggled the last couple games. Um, I know we're coming off of uh, those last two games were coming off a of bye week. I don't know if it had to, something to do with they're a little bit out of rhythm or if it's a technique issue or if we're our offensive line is not as good as we thought it was. I definitely think that has more to do with the the difficulty with running than what the running backs are doing, But I also still have a problem with how Ryan Day calls his runs because uh, it just seems like he's not super creative. He continues to try the same plays over and over. Um They're very bland, very straightforward. I mean, he's even running a bunch out of the pistol. Now, I know in this comp conf- in his press conference, he said that they had some success running out of the pistol, and they wanted to do it more. But it it, it looked kind of it, it was expected. You know, there wasn't any guessing in there. There was, you know, any confusion for Penn State's defense. Like I thought it was pretty obvious. Plus, Penn State made a conscious effort to you know really come at the line i mean that's why a lot of those screen passes were getting blown up um that's why uh, a lot of the runs you know we're getting hit in the backfield immediately and that's a case where you know ryan day his bread and butter is wanting to throw the ball he understands he has to, to i mean his bread and butter is he wants to pass the ball he understands he needs to run the ball and you need to keep him honest And I know the old adage is you need to run to open up the pass, but I feel like Brian Day's bread and butter is passing to open up the run. And I feel like he has convinced himself this year because of the Michigan loss last year that they need to be tougher. They need to be able to line up and run the ball like Michigan does. And that's just not the kind of team we are. It isn't. We're more of a speed finesse, um, spread it out, you know, distribute one-on-one matchups. That's our offense and simply lining up with you know the other team having seven or eight in the box, don't run. Don't run against those formations. I mean, you're just asking to continue to get hit in the backfield and at best get a couple yards, which means you're behind schedule. So I agree. His play calling was not good in the Penn State game, and he did not make adjustments as quickly as I thought he would have. He finally made adjustments in the fourth quarter, and he about waited too long to make adjustments. Yeah. So – I do have a problem with his play calls, and I think he needs to go to what he knows Ohio State does best. And if it ends up breaking us because we're throwing for over 400 yards and only running for about 75 to 100 and it breaks us, then, hey, we went with our bread and butter and it didn't work. But I would much rather see that happen than sit there and try to constantly run. You know, because essentially when you run those wide receiver screens uh, out to the flats there, I mean, those are essentially extensions of your run game. So, yeah. you know, I, I would much rather us go down, you know, at the sinking ship, doing what we're at least known for and what we're the best at.
0: Yeah, and listen, I want to give CJ his props because I've been riding him all season. You know, I have. He ran the ball. I did. give him his props, and he, and he, he took
2: a few. He took a few looks that game. I mean, he he's a tougher character than what people give him credit for. I mean, he's not a small guy. He doesn't look that big on the field, but he's not a small guy.
0: I just wish that he would learn to throw the ball away.
2: Learn to live another day. He has such a problem with that, and I don't understand it. That's such an easy, coachable thing, and yet we constantly watch him take sacks when he could have just thrown the ball away. Yeah, or force the ball into coverage. like. Throw the ball in the crowd, dude. We'll, we'll do like, the I, like, I love his confidence, but at the same time, you got to be smart, man. Sometimes the best play you can do is throw that thing up into into the B-row, you know? Yeah. Just get rid of the dang thing. Dude,
0: the, the Todd Beckman pass chart, he could hit anybody, dude. He could hit you in the rafters, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you already know. But the thing is, man, yeah, I just wish, and I, and I know it's because CJ wants to be that guy. He wants to be unstoppable. He wants to be like every other NFL quarterback, the Patrick Mahomes, you know what I mean, running and throwing across the field. Dude, I get it. I get it. And it's all because he wants to do that. But, dude, he's going to have to be smarter. We're getting into November, and we know what that means, man. We're getting into November. We're playing tougher football teams and games that matter, big-time games that matter. So he's going to have to be smart, man. And I think he can do it. As a matter of fact, I know he can do it. It's just he's got to be smarter, man.
2: So I want to hit on one more person before we move on to uh, to our next topic, but Marvin Harrison Jr., dude, uh, he can't be he cannot be guarded. I'm sorry. Uh, he's a man he, among
0: he's a man amongst boys. He
2: really he. he all right, so there's a few times he went up against uh, Joey Porter Jr. and uh, against a field I mean, no one. Could I mean he he was he was beating one on one matchups the entire game. He was making every catch. I mean the only time that he didn't make the catch was on a third down play, but he was slightly overthrown on probably like a thirty yard uh, thirty yard out pass. And even then, I thought he had a potential to bring it down. It was just outside his fingertips. But I mean, the dude catches everything. Um, I think my most impressive play out of him was in a key situation when I think we were still trailing. Or maybe we we're just up by six to keep the drive going. It was like third and eight, third and ten. He's out there by himself. And they gave him a little bit of cushion, but he immediately just, you know, slants straight inside, grabs that ball, goes upfield, and gets eleven yards on a play where I didn't think they could get 10, 11 yards. Yeah. I don't know if the play if you're if you can remember the play I'm thinking of, but dude, it was just I mean, what what did he hit end up having? Like 180 yards? I mean, didn't yeah, even have a touchdown, but I mean, he had so many crucial catches in that game that kept drives going, and kept you know kept the momentum going that finally allowed for Stroud to, you know, get his lone touchdown of the day to Cade Stover to for Trayvon Henderson to finally get going to the fourth quarter. You know, n- n- I cannot give Marvin Harrison Jr. enough credit. I mean, he is the best wide receiver in college football. He is better than Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, he's better than anyone on anyone else's team. And Joel Klatt said it best on, um, uh, uh the announcer, uh, in Penn state game. He's like, or it might even been the Iowa game. I'm not sure, but he's like, you're, you're looking at
0: the best player in the NFL in the next five years. Dude, I fully believe that he could do it a hundred percent. I can, he just, like I said, he's a man amongst boys out there. He really is. And the thing is, man, he's just so smooth about it too his size his speed he's just he's he steps above everybody else and i mean he makes it known and it shows every single week and i think he's going to be he's going to be playing on sundays for a long time
2: like we said and I, and I love that we got him for another year after this
0: one yeah um the only thing like i said one more thing to touch on this game before we move on is that you know the stat lines were kind of skewed i was talking about it with a couple guys at work and they're like oh You know, CJ was, you know, 27. Yeah, but how many of those throws were in the flat? You know what I mean? Take away the big plays. Take away the big run and take away, we had, I think, a 37-yard reception, maybe like a 40-some-yard reception. Can't remember the exact numbers. You Mm -hmm. take those away from the stat line, it wasn't that great. No. This team is human, and they were human this week. And I'm really hoping that. Ryan Day comes out with a new kind of game plan. Now, I I know he's not going to need it as much versus Northwestern here, but a new kind of game plan is in, like you talked about. We need to throw the ball more. We always talk about balance, and we like the 250-250, but this team is not that. They're just not that.
2: They can do that against lesser opponents, but when you're playing the best of the best down the road here, um, I'm sorry, it's going to have to be 350-150. I mean, maybe four hundred, one hundred. Yeah. And I think that's going to be going to have to be more of our formula. I mean, you know, I know there's more risk involved because whenever you throw the ball, uh, like, uh, you know, Woody Hayes used to say, there's three things that can happen, and two of them are bad. So, you never know, especially with you know sometimes the overconfidence that CJ has. But I do, I do still have a lot of trust in him. And if the game was on the line, I would much rather him be putting it in the air um then for us to run the ball and i do trust him so i I, i'm hoping that ryan i mean you got to think dude these coaches get paid millions of dollars they got to be able to see what we're seeing you know they got to be able to understand the same things that we're seeing and make these decisions you know we don't always obviously understand all the things that go on in the locker room and all the planning and maybe you know a lot of what they were seeing that they kept going with is they saw different things on film and penn state changed it up on them i mean another thing too if you go back and watch a lot of those uh, those uh, screen passes is our receivers and even Cade Stover did a horrible job of blocking on a handful yeah. of those yes, that the do. play was probably there if they just hit their blocks. But I mean, they were getting beat to the spot. They weren't even, it looked like they were kind of lollygagging out there. Yep. So not entirely sure what transpired or why that happened or why he kept calling it. But I don't know. I mean, I get and and still in a weird way, dude, it's a solid win. It really is. I think Penn State played their best game of the season. Um, I thought they played really well. And, dude, going to Penn State is still one of the hardest atmospheres to play in. And I don't care how good of a team we are, how bad of a team they are. that's It's always going to be an uncomfortable game to play every year. Yeah. So that's why that one worries me more than anyone on the schedule. And... Regardless of how things transpired, I'm happy to get out of there with a win, and I'm sure the team feels the same way.
0: Yep. Well, let's talk about this week, man. We got those Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, yeah.
2: They're at the bottom <laughs> seller of the Big Ten. They're on the worst side of the division, and they're definitely in last place. I think they only have one win on the season, if I'm not mistaken. That is mistaken.
0: correct. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, so, bad, football team. bad football team, buddy.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know what they're going to do. I think they got one of the last. Uh, one of the last uh, football stadiums that have like true grass. So, you know, they're growing that grass (laughs) right now. They're not going to cut it down for the game. They're going to try to slow us down. Uh, Dude, it's going to be a bloodbath, man. I mean, my hope for this game, I don't even need to go into the X's and O's or overanalyze this game. At the end of the day, we should be going in there. Um, CJ should be doing his thing in the first half. Uh, Maybe come out for a drive or two in the third quarter. And then sit your guys, rest them. We're going to need them to be healthy uh, down the stretch here. And I'm expecting a big win. I mean, the spread's at 34. Um, I think that's a pretty safe number. Uh, Just depends on how much we score in the first half. Because, you know, once we get to the second half and we pull starters, uh, we're going to be back to the old Ryan Day putting Kyle McCord in and handing it off to Dalen Hayden or whoever else might be in the rotation. So who knows, but, uh, I'm expecting a big win here and hopefully, uh, I don't think he's going to sit there and try to like reestablish a running game. I think he's just going to naturally do some sort of bland playbook playbook, knowing that, you know, we should be able to get anything we want. All right. Give me a score then. Well, I'm going to go with 62 to
0: 14. Okay. I echo your sentiment and know where you're coming with. I, on the other hand, believe that Ryan day will not go past the fifties. He won't let it happen. That's just how I feel. That's been a pretty solid number for us all year long. Um, so I'm going go to go 52 10.
2: Okay. So we both feel like we are going to cover the spread fairly easily. Um, Dude, it's just a hard game to to I guess analyze. I mean,
0: we've you're, always you're, talked about this, dude. It's hard it's hard to analyze Junk Time because we're going to come out in the first half and give it 100% and then after that, who knows what'll happen.
2: I guess the best thing is once you just for fun, give me your score prediction for the first half. When we Ooh. have we have ones and ones in there. I mean, we don't have a bet on on this part. I mean, we're going to do our prep bet here in a second, but what do you what give me your score prediction for the first half? 35-3 I'm at, uh, I'm at 42, Ooh, 42, nothing, 42, nothing, 42, nothing. Ooh.
0: Yeah. So you don't re- give him a field goal. You didn't even give him a chance.
2: Well, no, I can't give him a field goal. If my final score was yeah. 62, <laughs> 14, <laughs> unless somehow they can get a couple more or you know, three more field goals and a safety on us. No, I mean, yeah. I, I think, I think they're going to get two <laughs> touchdowns in the second half. After the start, after the starters are pulled, we uh, we might even have like a stupid turnover with the seconds in, and they run one by something finicky. But you know, sixty-two fourteen, and I'd say the front. Yeah, I'm going forty-two nothing. All right. Well,
0: I hope both of us are right. But anyways, hit them with hit them with the prop bets real quick, and don't bother telling them the record.
2: Okay, I will not <laughs> tell them that I'm up ten to five. I promise, <laughs> I will not mention that. <laughs> So we do keep the running tally for the year, and here in a few weeks, we're going to actually have to start our poll question on our Facebook page to give people options of what the loser of the overall uh, yearly prop bet is going to have to do.
0: Yeah, in other words, what, what kind of turd am I going to be consuming?
1: That's yeah. pretty
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's not outside the realm. However, you're going to have to have a couple perfect weeks. I mean, if you have two perfect weeks back to back, you're in the lead. So it's not really out of the realm, but... You can't start splitting anymore. You're going to need yeah. to have some perfect weeks against against me. Now, I feel like with some of the prop bets I took this time, there's definitely potential for that. So the first one is I decided we are going to score 60 or more, and obviously you had mentioned you think it's going to stay under 60. So that's our first prop bet. The second one is I say Stroud will have four or less touchdown passes. I really think that the, um, the running game, especially in the red zone, is going to get a handful of touchdowns in this game. So I'm going to put Stroud just at four. Um, I think that's probably not going to be enough, but I'm going to go ahead and take the under just as a guess. But I can definitely see Stroud throwing for five, six TDs in this game. And I am going to go on a limb and say we get two or more turnovers this game. Over the last handful of games, we have done a lot better. Uh, Gosh, I don't even know the number off the top of my head, but I know we had four against Penn State. We had, uh, what, six against Iowa. Um, We had a couple against
0: Michigan State, I think. If I'm yeah, not I can. See, I can see you winning that one.
2: I can. I mean, we we've been on a turnover tear over the last handful of games. So if that continues, I I, I like my chances in that one. But that's our prop bets for uh, this game. And uh, unless something changes, you should be in town this weekend. So for I those will of you, be there. so for those of you that are still listening uh we plan on doing a facebook live if he is in town and we will do one before the game starts and we will do one after the game and we're just going to get on there and talk a little football nothing major but um with the live that means you could log on and uh, you can ask us some some questions in the text and we'd be more than happy to answer anything for you just be a nice little way to maybe interact before and after the game especially with you know not a very high profile game happening so it is a noon game. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's on ABC, which is weird. Um, I think it's on ABC. I might be mistaken by that. I'm I don't think sure. it's a Big Ten. I don't think it's Big Ten Network. But anywho, uh, it's a noon game uh, in Evanston, and we're expecting a big Buckeye win.
0: Absolutely. Hey, thanks for everybody that took the time to hang around. And another shout out to Eric uh, Buckeye Boggs for coming on from the Ohio podcast and arguing a little bit of CFP with us. We appreciate it and hope to have you on again. Um, And that's all I got, unless you got something else, Warpin Davis.
2: No, that's it. Uh, I do want to give another shout-out to John Converse. Uh, I know it's late in the episode, but uh, in case you're still listening, um, definitely want to give a shout-out to him. He does some nice stuff for our page. Uh, He does a lot of the digital uh, pictures and logo stuff and kind of helps us out a little bit. So uh, I know that he does specialize in that, so if you are looking for anything, artistic in that way or uh digital or logo something like that uh go ahead and reach out to him um and as always guys you can catch all of our podcasts on any major streaming services we're on spotify itunes iHeartRadio, amazon music and more don't be afraid to come on down to our facebook page check us out and we also have a twitter account as well so we have a lot of ways that you can reach out and interact we are starting to put more polls and more questions and more content on our page so if you haven't done so already like our page subscribe and as always, guys, until next week, go Bucks. OH. H.